0: There we are. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer on God's Word. It's Monday, October 31st, uh, the all, Eve of All Saints will be this evening. Of course, it's also um, the Day of Reformation, as it's recognized, so uh, a festive week. Um, I'm feeling a little bit fatigued (laughs) from the last few days, um, given all that we've been having going on here, you know, with uh, preparing for the wedding on Friday and Saturday, wedding of course, reception, uh, divine service, Bible study, um, Reformation festival, um, and everything else that goes on in between. And so today though, we'll, uh, you know, we'll consider the Reformation and uh, as far as All Saints Day goes, we're going to celebrate it Wednesday evening, so we'll be able to do that, not with full festivity, but as best we can, uh, with the limited resources we have as far as uh, musical talent and whatnot, which is uh, not much. <laughs> Nobody to sit at the bench. Uh, we need to raise up an organist, desperately, in my opinion, and trying to figure out how might we do such a thing uh, and you know, accelerate that process, even if it takes some years. Okay. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Right, new memory verse uh, might be one that you already know by memory, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, verse 16. Yeah, Uh, sometimes the memory verses are ones that uh, are already probably memorable. There you go. Our psalm this week is Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink-offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, and the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our Catechism this week, this week, same as the last week. Second article of the Creed. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of his Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. Good. Okay. Um, the text for our catechesis today is Genesis uh, chapter 14. That's kind of a bizarre um, little story, interlude of a story of sorts. And, but actually, the New Testament provides a wonderful exposition on what happens there. All right. Um, in, the, in the sermon uh, that is in the midst of the book of Hebrews. So I know we studied through the book of Hebrews in our was that Wednesday evening. I was doing it live online, I think. <clears throat> yeah, we didn't do it in person. All right, um, and so I'm sure we covered this, uh, but it's worth refreshing, and then you'll see uh, how it how it uh, expands upon what is what is the clear confession that's happening in the midst of Genesis. All right, so Hebrews six and 9, and seven here. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abram, Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abram, Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. And now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. The lesser being uh, Levi and the better being Melchizedek. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, pays tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to to the order of Melchizedek, and not be called according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribes Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of, the, of a fleshy commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. All right. Um, so I probably should just go and find, <laughs> I should probably just go find um, when we did the catechesis on this, if you remember, that's verse four of Psalm one hundred and ten, and my assertion for you is that the book of Hebrews, the sermon text for the book of Hebrews, is um, Psalm one ten verses one through four. And that he's preaching on in the context of that um, of that Psalm. Although I did hear a presentation um, at a pastor conference since I did that class. Um, this was by Dr. Harold Tomesh, who's at uh, Concordia, Wisconsin, and he suggested. Um, that he had figured it out (laughs) that the context yes it's psalm 110 of course is cited frequently but he figured out what pre what feast day it was and i can't remember which one he figured it out Um, i'd have to go back and look at his materials so we can even figure out what day the sermon was given um, and what the occasion was and what the corresponding feast was all right Um, but notice uh, what is the writer to the hebrews saying here what is this sermon saying it's saying that Psalm 110 is suggesting that there is one to come. If you remember Psalm 110, well, maybe I'll just read it for you here, quick, because you, you'll hear all the parts. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall end or send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn, and he will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall bring a drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up the head. All right. So, beautiful psalm, um, confessing a number of things, but but, uh, mostly... (laughs) That Jesus is differentiated from the kings of this earth, right? He is the uh, king of kings, lord of lords, from the priests of the Levitical priesthood, as the writer does here, and that he um, is one that is born without beginning and end, um, who serves daily at the altar with mercy and grace for his people and peace. Hmm? And then uh, what was the other element there? Um, Oh, and that he actually comes from God and is of God, right? Right that he's at God's right hand. All of that is in the psalm, It's beautiful psalm 110. Um, and the, he, the book of Hebrews, I would suggest, is preaching in particular on the psalm and the implications of what that means for us um, in Christ, who confess Christ. Right? So here you have the same idea. There's a categorical difference between um, Melchizedek and the priests who follow after him, namely Jesus, and that of Levi and the house of Levi. Okay. There's a lot more that could be said there. Like I said, uh, Hebrews six and seven. you can probably find the links for that and post those down below uh, later on. Okay. And then our reading for catechesis is from Genesis chapter fourteen. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela—that is, Zoar—went out and joined together in the battle. In battle in the valley of Sidim against Chedor or Laamer, L- excuse me, king of Elam, title king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elasar, Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, having been defeated. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Right, so they're no longer in the cities of Sodom, Gomorrah. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of honor, and they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother had been ta- or was taken captive, he armed his three hundred and eighteen trained servants who were born in his own house, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing, From a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. All right. It's kind of a crazy story, really. Um, Not the battle part. (laughs) Uh, Reminder, Lot dwells near the the city of Sodom, right? And we heard on on Friday, you know, that there was wicked people there, Um, that Sodom and Gomorrah had not yet been destroyed, Right. Um, and then we have these kings that go to battle, right? Or as Hebrews said, um, how did they describe, he described the battle? The, or was it? The slaughter of the kings. The slaughter of the kings. There in verse 1. All right. All right. Uh, five against four. That's interesting. Five against four. The four that are defeated will be uh, the king of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zebo- Zeboim, and or no, the five that will be defeated, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, Bela, Zoar. Um, those would be the ones that will be defeated. The four will be victorious, Chedorlaomer, Tidal, Amraphel, and Arioch. All right. What happened to some of the men fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, right, after the battle? Uh, they fell into the tar pits, right? Again, four versus five, though. Significance of the four defeating the five. Four... Later we find out is the number of the world, of course, but also of the Gospels, which goes out into the world. Five is the number of Moses, of the law, of the Torah, right? So we have the four defeating the five. Curious, right? The Gospel predominates, maybe. Hmm. little picture of that, right? Uh, Who was taken away with Sodom, then? Or from Sodom? We have Lot um, and his goods, and presumably his family, too. How did Abram find out? He's not far from Sodom, but uh, one escapes from the battle and lets him know. Notice what he's called here in verse 13. This is unique. It really won't have the people being called Hebrews until after the Exodus, but Abram's called that here already. No connection to the Exodus. How many men did Abram take with him? He armed his 318 trained servants. Right, That's quite precise. Um, So Abram, even though he's not a king... Remember, give us a king, the people said later on. Why do you need a king? Like the nations around you. Um, You have fathers, right? So Abram, as father here, though, uh, raises up fighting men, and they pursue the kings, secular kings, right? Not families. As far as Dan, right, which is north of Galilee, north of the Sea of Galilee, Um, this becomes a well-known city later on, famous for its unbelief and being uh, wild and crazy guys. Uh, Dakota skit that's <laughs> a terrible place. It's as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah honestly um, maybe not in its um, immorality but certainly in its idolatry. All right uh, when did Abram attack this interesting time? yeah he divided his forces against them during the night and he what he accomplished defeating the other army chasing them as far as Hoboth north of Damascus even farther north, and recovering all his goods lot, and all his possessions, and as well as the women and children, with just a small fighting force of 318. This is all, of course, connected to the promise that God made uh, to Abram back in Genesis 12. Remember, God has promised to bless those who blessed Abram and to curse those who cursed him. The attack on Abram's relative was regarded as as an attack on Abram himself, right? A curse against Abram, and thus they were cursed. In response by God, all right, and this is where the story takes a kind of a strange turn. We have two kings come out to meet uh, one of the kings that he defeated, of course, and then uh, another who was defeated by Chedorlaomer, and then an, another king, Melchizedek, right? So we have the king of Sodom and Melchizedek, king of Salem or Salem. All right, as we heard from Hebrews, um, they, they, uh, the, the sermon there, the preacher there wanted us to notice what the, his name Melchizedek means. Melchi, King Zadok, righteousness. So, King of righteousness, and also King of Salem, right, which means peace. Um, who else is known as the King of righteousness? That was earlier in Hebrews, actually. Hebrews chapter five. Jesus is called the King of righteousness after the order of Melchizedek, right? Um, who else is High Priest forever? Also, Jesus, right. Uh, what's the other name name for the city of Salem, Jerusalem? Right, um, I, f- I forget what the what the Jeru means. Hmm, I lost it. I had it at one point. City of Peace, maybe. What did uh, Melchizedek bring out with him? Curious, bread and wine. Um, and I suggested that uh, in the Book of Hebrews that the Lord's Supper is is the immediate context uh, within the divine service there. So we have the psalm text as the sermon text. The Lord's Supper is about to be received, and this is all preparation to receive the Supper. Christ being our high priest who delivers himself to us under bread and wine. We already have it right here. right? So all that language of of Jesus being high priest um, and and serving us, it's right here in this little anecdote um, in Genesis 14. Prophetic type of the Lord's Supper, you might say. Why might Melchizedek be called priest of God? Most High, or God the Father, you might even say. Because he is holding the future title of Jesus. Uh, what do priests do, by the way? We should note that. Priests offer sacrifices. That's their role in the Old Testament. right? Actually, it's the role in the New Testament. The priesthood of all believers offers sacrifices of praise, thanksgiving, um, charity, love, these sorts of things. Right? Not to earn God's favor, of course, but in re- response to what God has done for them. Much like we see with Abram here, right? Notice that God is also known, God Most High, who is possessor of heaven and earth, right? That is, it's another way of saying creator, right? Creator of heaven and earth. Notice it's um, the blessing that's given to Abram is in response to what God has done for Abraham, right? God Most High delivered your enemies into your hand. Beautiful passivity here. divine. This is the divine... um, uh, passive. God does God does all the action, and we simply receive. And in response, then Abram gives a tenth, a tithe, um, of everything, of all the spoils of the war, presumably of his battle, to Melchizedek in thanksgiving for what God Most High has done. Right. But what does the king of Sodom suggest? So we have these opposing kings, right, and Sodom is on either side of it that Abram give him the people and keep the goods for himself. So the king of Sodom is like the type of, really of the devil, I would suggest, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy your possessions. Only, you know, sacrifice um, your wife and children to me, right? This demonic sacrifice. And Abram, of course, responds in faith, uh, no. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to accept anything because I'm not going to, I don't want anyone to be able to claim responsibility Um, for my riches, except for God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, who has blessed me in this way and has given me the victory and the spoils. Isn't that something? I mean, it's this really odd, awkward story. I reminded my children last night that this is, I I believe this is um, the source of um, two interruptions that happen um, in some of my favorite works of fiction, so uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, if you remember in Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, there's this weird scene where Father Christmas shows up as, as the land is defrosting and, and brings blessings, brings gifts for, um, for the children in Narnia. And it's, it's very strange. Where did it, where, And then he just goes, he rides off, and that's it. You never hear of him again. He never shows up again in the narrative. And of course, uh, Lewis was mocked endlessly for this. Um, you know, why did you do that? So it's just nostalgia or something uh, and he was very coy about his responses he didn't um, He, as far as I know he never divulged you know, what he was about there um, but I think the key is it's Melchizedek it's a Melchizedek figure in that story too he's reflecting upon what's happening here like in Genesis with the defeat of earthly enemies that it's God who gives the victory and, and gives the blessings uh, through his priest Father Christmas being a type of priest then um, and also um uh, J.R.R. Tolkien in *Lord of the Rings* in *The Fellowship of the Ring*. Towards the beginning, um, they're being pursued by um, by the uh, the bad guys. <laughs> I'm sorry, the hobbits are being pursued by the uh the, the the horsemen, the kings, the dead kings. I forget what they call them. Eh, I just lost it. Um, and then there's this weird interlude where they encounter this figure in the forest, Tom Bombadil, right? Who who seems to have no beginning and no end, and actually um, comforts them and encourages them. Before things get really um, get really dark, actually, for them. So it, it really interrupts the narrative, and it seems out of place, much like Melchizedek. I would suggest that probably, maybe they were even having that conversation behind the scenes. What is What do we do with this Melchizedek figure in the scripture? And so then they kind of wrote that into their narratives, respectively. Yeah, it's a hypothesis. I don't know if it can be proven. But uh, maybe it helps explain those situations. All right, so... But well, we should ask, who is this Melchizedek? Right, um, But a picture of the Savior who is come to bless the nations of the earth. There is no true king of righteousness other than Jesus who fulfilled the law and was punished under the law for our sake. Through his death and resurrection, our Lord established the kingdom of peace. He speaks this peace to his disciples and all the people, peoples of the earth in the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the priest of God Most High, who has delivered us from all our enemies. He is the source of every blessing, who gives us his own body and blood in the lowly elements of bread and wine, that we might have peace the peace that that passes understanding. Though Melchizedek asked for nothing, Abram freely gave him a tithe, for this is the way of faith. As no man can serve two masters, Abram refused the gift of the king of Sodom because he wanted no one to be confused as to how he had been blessed, namely by Melchizedek by the God Most High. What a lovely story. Isn't that great? And worth worth really breaking it down. All right. Tomorrow's All Saints Day. Today is the Eve of All Saints. Uh, so it's fitting that we sing a hymn um, remembering the saints of old who have died um, in faith. All right. Behold a host, so right and right, white. Um, I'd like to sing the TLH version. I think the text is better. I'm not, not appreciative of some of the changes they made here. Um, but as we experienced yesterday, um, unfortunately, the screen and what I printed off didn't correspond with each other. Um, I have to go back and review and see what happened there. That's very strange. Um, uh, also interesting that I only had one person tell me. So I don't know how many people were using the screens and were frustrated with what was happening there. But uh, feel free to tell tell me when things aren't um, being done well. Right? If things aren't going well in the divine service, because um, you know, as the officiant, as the as the um, well, the one who who orders these things for for your benefit, if If it's not, uh, you know, if there's any kind of technical or practical problem that's getting in the way, um, I need to know that because we need to set those things aside so that um, the gospel is that which predominates and that the technical or practical matters um, don't get in the way of that. So uh, if something's wrong with the screens, if I think we had a similar situation recently with the prayers. The prayers didn't match up. It's like, you, ha- you need to tell me. I can't see the screens. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on up there. I can only hear the recording and what I have in front of me, so, which is a book. All right. So just as a um, encouragement, um, I, these things do reflect on me, the bulletin and the screen, because those are my, um, one of my responsibility. Um, so I appreciate uh, whatever help you can give. Make sure those things are done well. All right. So to our hymn, Behold a Host. All right, we'll hold up there, because what we'd like to do is actually remember a little bit about the Reformation being today. Uh, So let me share a meditation with you on this feast day of the Reformation. On October 31st, 1517, an Augustinian monk crossed a leaf-strewn courtyard to stand before the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Saxony. He, there he posted a series of 95 statements or theses for debate among the theologians of the Church. Little did the poor monk know that he had just set in motion a series of events that would rock the Church in Europe to its core. The monk, of course, was Martin Luther, an Augustinian Eremite. Printer soon grabbed up his theses and had them translated into German and many other languages of Europe. Soon everyone knew who Martin Luther was and joined in the debate. The Roman Curia, at the time quite hopelessly corrupt, had no interest in debate. They wanted the monk and his concerns to be silent and to go away. He was interfering with the money that indulgences were intended to raise in Germany, money that funded, finally, the construction of the greatest church Christendom had ever seen to honor the graves of St. Peter and Paul in the city of Rome. But the monk wouldn't go away or be silent. He was judged a heretic by church officials and excommunicated by the Pope. Luther was then summoned for trial before the secular authority, Emperor Charles V at the Diet of Worms in 1521. Luther's study of the scriptures had utterly convinced him that he was not wrong to teach that salvation was by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, and he knew that this was, in fact, what the church had anciently taught. He refused to recant his writings with the famous words, I am bound by the scriptures, I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not retract anything. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. May God help me. Amen. The Lutheran movement grew and spread like wildfire. Nine years after the monks stood all alone at Worms, numerous princes and representatives of the free cities stood before the same emperor at Augsburg on June 25, 1530. They proclaimed their faith in the words of the Augsburg Confession. They indicated they would rather suffer martyrdom than lose the precious gospel of the sinner's free justification, a doctrine which had brought such consolation to them and the people of their lands. A distinctly Lutheran church was taking shape. The heritage received from the medieval Catholic church was purified in one territory after another, according to the divine word and in conformity with the saving gospel. We pray. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant to your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A prayer of Collect for the week. O Lord, grant to your faithful people pardon and peace that they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our home schools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray in Thanksgiving with Randy and Ashley, who celebrated their baptism yesterday. Pray for the households of our church, especially Jackie, Mickey, Jeannie, Maureen, Renee, and Joan. Pray for, or in Thanksgiving with uh, AJ and Brenna, who are joined in holy matrimony on Saturday. Thanks be to God. Pray for our catechumens, Christian, Wyatt, Leah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Dale, Kelsey, Christopher, Dan, Brad, and Ron. Marla, Betty, Pat, and Heidi, our homebound Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of Orphan Grain Train. We pray in intercession for the preservation of the word and the increase of the church. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things, Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. It's good to have you all with us here. Thanks for checking in in the chat. I didn't have my chat window open right away, so I might have missed some of you. So I'm not going to go through the names, but appreciate you checking in there. Um, Like I said, If you want more on this bizarre incident with Melchizedek, um, we really should find um, the Bible studies from before. Maybe I can find them pretty quick here, and that will help. What was I going to say? Yes, it was a joyous weekend. Um, Quite busy, but that's okay. Uh, That's how these things go. Uh, Weddings are a joyous occasion. Uh, of course, we had uh, the children singing in church yesterday, which was uh, beautiful. Uh, it would have been, uh, I think, even a little bit better uh, if we if we actually had a, uh, a legitimate organist, so that the, it could make it easier for them to play. In. Well, the biggest problem with uh, the children singing is that the music is coming out of the speakers in the front, and they're at the back, so there's always going to be a time delay. That's part of the challenge. Um, and then it's not well articulated for them. So they, it's hard to hear the, the rhythm. And I think the recording is just is just too fast. That's good for now. Uh, with that, I bid you fond farewell. Uh, go check out all the resources from the weekend if you weren't able to join us in person. Um, and then look forward to celebrating all saints. Uh, we'll, we'll recognize it tomorrow, but we'll observe it with the divine service on Wednesday evening. Um, otherwise, we'll see you in the morning as we'll continue through the book of Genesis. All right, God be with you all. See you soon.